Hey. Hey, what up, Sam? Uh, now, I don't know how this works. Does this mean we're already recording, or? Uh, I, it counts down. It counts. Oh, it counts down? Yeah, but that's the oh, thing. It, it did the first time, but now it's counting up. Yeah, so I think I think we're already on the air, so. We're making a how pod. <laughs> Excellent uh, user interface. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're newbies at this, everybody listening, so. Yeah. All right, so what's going on, Sam, and what's the topic for today? So I think we were going to talk about uh, the actors who have played Spider-Man. Yes, and that would be Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. Correct. Yeah, so we're not counting Turkish Spider-Man or the 70s <laughs> live-action television show. Yeah, uh, I'm probably also not counting the uh, the 80s and 90s embarrassments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although the, the 90s had a pretty good uh, animated Spider-Man. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, if, if you wanted to do... Uh... I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as knowledgeable on the animated voice characters as much, but, but yeah, of course, there, there would be no detriment to the Spider-Man legacy. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really gotten into anything but the, the one that was in the '90s, uh, but oh, yeah. the other one looked good. Um, I believe it was, um, oh, who plays Barney on, on How I Met Your Mother? Oh man, I, I completely oh. forgot, dude. He's one of the cartoons. Oh, okay, that's awesome. And, uh, he does a he does a pretty good job, from what I've heard. Excellent. So I guess we should probably start with Tobey Maguire. Uh, go go chronologically. Yeah, of course. All so right. So what are, your first, what are your first thoughts on Tobey? Well, I'm I'm a big fan of of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, probably mostly because of nostalgia. I'll I'll admit that that he was my my childhood Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, but yeah. I I thought I thought he was the best Peter Parker. You know, he had he had the most pathos. I I I I, I really like felt like the world was shitting on him. Right. Right. Which is like that's that's Spider Man all over is you know, the world just takes a dump yeah. on him anytime it can. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Toby was a, a interesting move for me. Um I mean I think Toby Maguire's confidence and charisma has really grown since then. Um and I did at the time period because I know it was in between movies, I did kind of prefer his performance in Seabiscuit compared to the Spider Man trilogy at that time. But uh, okay. as far as his, as far as his performance goes in Spider Man, um, I kind of felt like his portrayal of Peter Parker, um, from a nerd's point of view, was really great. But from a confidence point of view, I think uh, I think he had one too many awkward moments with MJ. Um, I'm not sure if there were as many awkward moments in the comics. But uh, but but I, I just probably would have resolved or touched that up a little bit when it came to the Tobey Maguire portrayal of Peter Parker. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. On that. Well, I think um, I I mean I've I've never seen Peter Parker as a, a suave dude. You know, he's right. he's kind of like the, the prototypical loser. Exactly. Yeah. So so I mean I I don't I don't really find any fault in in how 
how awkward he seemed around Mary Jane. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense. It was almost, it almost seemed like their relationship um, went a little faster than, than it maybe should have, which makes sense. You know, it's, it's a movie. They have to be together by right. the end of the first movie or else it's not a satisfying first movie. Exactly. Um, but um, as far as like comparing that to, to, to Spider-Man in the comics, um, like obviously she wasn't even his first girlfriend. Right. Yeah. yeah she was, yeah, those she were, I... The hot popular chick that he would have never even dreamed of approaching to speak to. Exactly. Yeah. And that's I think, it. I think that's the only way I could forgive the awkwardness and the popularity of Mary Jane. Um, but even, even Gwen Stacy to an awkward appearance, but, um, but staying, staying focused on the Sam Raimi films, um, I think I think the other thing about Tobey Maguire's performance to me, um, t- uh, this might be a, a risky move, but I think I would have took a little bit of the, but maybe this would have been maybe a slightly overconfident. I think the person a little touch of maybe a mixing of the personality of Corey Moore meets World into Peter Parker's character might have been a little more interesting. Okay, yeah, a little snarkier. Yes, that's what I wanted to see from from Toby Maguire. That's the word I'm looking for. A little snarkier. Yeah, yeah. That was if if his performance was lacking anything, it was the banter, the those, yes. those quick little jokey jokes. Correct, correct. And and that's that's the because he had the brains of Peter Parker, but he didn't have the wit of Peter Parker. If that makes any sense. That's no. That's that. That's a very very fair criticism. Um, because that's that's uh, that's what um, Andrew Garfield got praised for the most was that that he he finally brought that that that, that quippy snappy uh, uh, demeanor exactly exactly him. that's correct yeah so even though with even the, though I don't, the, I'm sorry no I was saying even though uh, we'll get into that topic later after we finish though he wasn't the ideal outward appearance Peter Parker he was. The inward Peter Parker that we were, it's McGuire. Yes. Although I, I have to say, Andrew Garfield in those two movies looked exactly like Peter Parker when he was in his late 20s. Exactly. And I think people kind of miss that from, from a, a little bit of a, a perspective, getting back to the, the Shannon on Spider Man type of example, because I feel like. Um, I feel like people forget that he's not the ugliest dude in the Marvel comics either. Um, <laughs> so, so like he's not he's not over the top good looking, but also he's not really like he's not like the type of boy that no girl would ever crush over. That's true. Although it it took him a long time to get to that point. Like if you, if you read Spider Man number one, or like even the you know the fan uh, Amazing Fantasy, um, he's super dorky he's wearing a, a sweater vest big thick glasses his hair is all like greasy and like he's he's as dorky as you could draw a comic book character exactly exactly and i think that's where my praise of of the latter spider-man will come in in the in the future of our conversation but um i'm not sure if you had anything remaining about toby's portrayal of peter before we get into toby's portrayal of spider-man 
Um, as as far as you know, uh, uh, the, 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 his his Peter Parker versus his Spider Man. No, I was I was asking you like, did you have anything remaining on his portrayal of Peter Parker before we get into talking about his portrayal of Spider Man? Uh, well, um, I, I I thought his his uh, um, his chemistry with uh, the Aunt May in in the in the trilogy was was really good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, there were decisions that were like, eh, like when when Aunt May pulls her hand away. I, that's that's hard for me to watch every time. I don't know if I could have written a Spider-Man movie where that happened. Right, right. And to be honest with you, I I'm actually gonna go ahead and give the green light on that too. I think um, the original Sam Raimi trilogy is the best chemistry between Aunt May and Peter Parker that mm-hmm. we see on the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. And like I I I I like the actress that plays the new Aunt May. I'm just I'm not ready and I'm not comfortable with hot Aunt May. <laughs> I think it's great for a new generation, but at the same time, it doesn't have the same emotional depth that we had with the original Aunt May. And then the other thing I would say is that um, you could tell that um, you could tell that Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker was the most broken for Uncle Ben's death and coping that with Aunt May compared to the future Peter Parkers. Yes. Yes, he 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 didn't get all emo or emo like uh, like uh, Andrew Garfield did. He was he was devastated, rocked to the core. Like yes, and th- and that's I, I, that's in my opinion the only thing missing from the new Spider Mans is that you don't see the same grief that the original Peter Parker gave us in uh, with Tobey Maguire's portrayal of him. Yeah, yeah. Tobey Maguire has an unparalleled crying face. He got made fun <laughs> exactly. of a lot for. Exactly. It, was, it was effective. <laughs> but for that for the time period, and especially because both of us, that was our childhood Spider-Man, it made sense for him to be that way. I mean, I know he's made himself even more the goofball of a lot of memes after Spider-Man 3, but at the same token, for the time period, he was... We couldn't envision anyone else as Spider-Man at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So we we have we have a lot to owe to Tobey Maguire for that. So anyhow, uh, what are your thoughts on his portrayal of Spider-Man compared to Peter Parker? Well, that one is actually that that one's interesting because of the of the three actors, he was in the suit the least. Right. Uh, because part of the time he was CGI, and part of the time there was a Japanese dude in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I I think actually was a brilliant decision. Tobey Maguire is no gymnast. You know, he was cut, he was ripped, but he couldn't just do a standing backflip. Exactly. But yeah. some Japanese dude can. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I think I think that's uh, one bonus point that uh, Tom Holland got is that he's a little more acrobatic than the previous Spider-Mans. But, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah. not not near as much as is that dude that was in the suit for the original trilogy, you know, oh, like I, I, like that was that was almost um, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm all for people who are purists who want you know the to have the actual actor in the suit, but at the same time, there is nobody who is the top level of actor and also the top level of acrobat that you could want. That person just is not around. That's right. That's right. 
I mean, you do have a couple of exceptions here and there, like like maybe a Tom Cruise. But outside of that, it's very hard to find uh, stuntmen who can act or actors who can do stunts. Sure, sure. And, and even Tom Cruise is no acrobat. Right, exactly. I agree with that. But yeah, so as far as his Spider-Man goes, um, to be honest, I, I, for me... I felt like Tobey Maguire was the only one of the three actors where I feel like did not fully transform into Spider-Man. For me, he, he his portrayal of Spider-Man almost felt like Hulk not wanting to be Hulk. I mean, even though we, we saw the epitome of his pride come up in Spider-Man 3, it still felt like he never really fully embraced the role of Spider-Man. If, I feel like Toby always embraced more the role of Peter Parker. I don't know if that makes any sense or if you agree or disagree. No, that's 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 absolutely fair. I, I would say that, that yeah, um, he, he was a more confident Peter Parker in the suit. He didn't transform into Spider-Man like the other two did. They put on the suit and they were a different guy, exactly. which you should Exactly. And I think that's what made them closer to the comic portrayals of Spider-Man because I felt like because Toby of the three actors lacked the most wit, you felt like he never fully, you you always felt like he was a little tad uncomfortable in the suit, almost like the elevator scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so in my opinion, that was like the perfect... um, if you, if you just needed one scene to sum up Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, that that scene was it. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that's that, that's right on the nose. Exactly. So um, now, as far as his evolution of Spider-Man goes throughout the three films, I think obviously, which not to take the Spider-Man, t- and to be honest with you, I'm one of the few that Spider-Man Two is actually my least favorite in the three. But oh, really? Say- yeah, but I can credit Spider-Man 2 for being the definitive Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. Like, that's the closest he got to fully transforming into Spider-Man out of the three films. Sure. You mean his Spider-Man versus his Peter Parker? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, he, he did have of um, good banter with, uh, with Doc Ock. The, the bank vault scene was pretty great. And then even the scene where, even the scene where he drops his glasses on the ground and they crack, that's still one of my favorite scenes to this day. Yeah, you know when he gets when he gets smacked in the head by the backpack. Yeah, that's Sam Raimi holding the backpack. Correct. That's one of my favorite (laughs) bonus cut scenes ever. (laughs) Like I haven't seen any um, any gag reels to this day as funny as that one. And you couldn't the 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 reaction that Toby gave to Sam Raimi pulling his head out the bag was priceless as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So definitely. And um, so, what are your? Should we should we end this this segment of the conversation with what we thought about the the three films individually, or just like an all over performance of the three collectively? Yeah, I think we should maybe focus on the performance this time. We can dig a little bit deeper into the, the movies as a whole, maybe on a, on a different episode. Yeah. So the final thoughts I leave before we transfer to Andrew Garfield would be, um, if I were to give 
uh, Tobey Maguire's performance of Spider-Man a, a 1 to 10 rating, I'd probably give him maybe a solid a solid 6 to 7 or 6.5. How about you? Oh, on the spot, I would, I would go a little higher. I, I would say, um, you know, given the given you know what what he did and, and and the fact that there was nothing to go on before that i would say at, at least an eight and a half. Oh, okay wow so then i'm i'm really interested to see what your what your rating's going to be on andrew garfield and tom holland all right so um <laughs> all right so let's get into andrew garfield first of all the the uh most outwardly appealing of all three spider-mans in my book i don't know if you agree the most physically attractive? Yes. <laughs> uh, I guess I never really gave it much thought. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> gun to my head, I'd say Tom Holland's a little cuter. <laughs> Here's what I'll give Tom Holland. And again, this is jumping ahead, but I think Tom Holland was the perfect balance of outward appearance between Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. He's not, again, yeah. like what I said before, He's not the epitome of good looking, but he's not the type of nerd that a girl can't crush over. You you could still imagine a, a girl in the classroom crushing over him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Tom Holland, I think, fixed that that aspect for me. And I don't think any of the three are ugly dudes. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Even though Spider-Man's nerdy, he's he's far from ugly. So that that confirms again what i what i said before so yeah and then um now as far as andrew garfield i think they said that um he was a little older than toby when he first put on the suit correct hello sam you still there there we go my wi-fi dropped out Oh, yeah, no problem. No, I was just saying that uh, andrew garfield I, i believe they said was a little older than toby when he first put on the suit correct um, I do not know. Yeah, I think Andrew was, I think, just below 30 or, or right on the brink of 30 when he first put on the suit. Um, yeah, so now as far as Andrew Garfield's concerned, well, first, I got to admit, when I first started watching The Amazing Spider-Man, I just could not get my head around, like, I, for me, he was portraying the character of a nerd great. But I couldn't get past that face. Like I'm like, if this is an average public school, there's no way he's getting this much ignored or this much bullied. Like it, it just, I wasn't buying that those that first twenty minutes to half hour of the high school scenes of the Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know what's your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. It, it um, it yeah, it didn't feel like he was like the target of bullying it felt like flash hated him personally for some reason that we never saw exactly and that's actually that's actually a great point you brought up on flash yeah yeah, yeah I totally then, agree with that. the flash in the original trilogy that felt like oh this guy's just a bully he peter parker is an obvious target why why wouldn't he go after him exactly in my opinion the original flash that we got in the sam raimi trilogy just felt like the dorky bully we got in all the TV sitcoms at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is, that's what Flash is. Yeah, he wasn't anything special. He's just a throwaway bully character that doesn't really have a backstory to him. 
And uh, I, I feel like comic book movies and, and comic books in general, like, um, or at least a comic book movie can get away with that because of comic books. Uh, the main characters, they can be complex and deep and diverse, but those side characters, they, they should be cartoonish caricatures. You know, if, if, if everything in your, in your, your universe is like real and gritty and grounded, you've got the dark Knight, which is great, but it's not what Spider-Man needs. Exactly. Exactly. I, I fully agree. And I, I think, um, I definitely think Andrew Garfield was a lot more angsty in his portrayal. Um, while Tobey Maguire, I still buy his tears more for Uncle Ben than I did Andrew Garfield. Although, I will give the the actual moment when it happened, like the actual moment when Uncle Ben got shot, I will give top performance to Andrew Garfield. Um, in the aftermath of Uncle Ben's death, I'll give it more to Tobey Maguire. But... Um, but yeah, so now the other thing is that again, I, 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 I'm trying to stay on the subject of Andrew Garfield more so than the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, even like rehashing back to the Sam Raimi, um, when Toby just went on on the manhunt for Uncle Ben's killer and just got the job done, um, having that part of the story unfinished was the I think one of the only things that irritated me about the original Amazing Spider-Man movie, um, like why was that just a forgotten plot for the rest of the movie? Um, and then it seems like, like you said, he just goes total emo after that. And the next thing, the only thing we hear from Uncle Ben is a voice message by the end of the movie. And it feels inspiring, but it doesn't feel like Uncle Ben's death hurt him as much as it did Tobey Maguire's character. Okay, now remind me, it's been a while since I've seen the first Amazing Spider-Man. He's looking for a guy with a triangle tattoo, right? A star tattooed on his left arm. Okay, and he never finds the guy? He never finds the guy. Okay, and that's just that that plot thread is just dropped entirely? It's dropped entirely. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is a little problematic. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were trying to... Uh, and I don't want to say it intentionally, but it felt like treating the audience like dumb, like, okay, we want to make it look like it's not an exact copy of Sam Raimi's film. So what we'll do is instead of actually having him kill the guy, we'll just have him not find him at all. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> is it in the comics? If I'm remembering correctly, he just like ties the guy up and leaves him hanging right. from a, from a, a street lamp. Which makes more sense because I know Peter Parker's not a killer, even though I know something like the death of Aunt May or Uncle Ben would make him feel like killing somebody. I know he's not a killer. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has to he has to be driven a little bit further than just a guy with a gun. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think uh of course that they're probably never gonna venture that again and maybe until ten, twenty, thirty years from now when we get a completely rebooted Spider Man. But um, because I think people said they've seen Uncle Ben die enough, they don't want to see that again. Hence, Homecoming. But um, sure, it was really only twice, though. Oh yeah, but that—that's the thing. I'm like, they're complaining like they've seen it a million times. We've only seen it twice in the cinematic universe. But I, I can understand the the sentiment. It's like, just like they, they did the same thing with Batman. Like, why oh. did we have to see? 
the the same scene in Batman Superman again. But anyhow, um, getting back to Andrew Garfield, I have died seven times in movies. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a legitimate complaint. Peter <laughs> Parker is still kind of. I think it, I think they were saying because it's, it was still fresh in their minds, because it, it, there wasn't as big of a time gap between movies. Um, that that's probably the reason why they made that sentiment. But anyhow, getting back to Andrew Garfield's portrayal, um, anything extra that you had to say about his portrayal of Peter Parker? Because I felt like he did everything he could as an actor to channel his inward nerd, and I felt like it worked brilliantly for for his his reinvention of Peter Parker. Uh, I I would agree in in the in the lens of the time. Um, yes, a more yeah. contemporary version. Exactly. I feel like that's that's part of my problem with the Amazing Spider-Man is that so if if it's got an old-timey feel, which I feel like Raimi trilogy, there's no like there's no feeling of what time it happened. It it feels like it feels like 2002 and 1950 at the same time somehow. Right. Right. And and this one is like no no it's 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 the early 2010s. There's there's exactly. Sony there's Sony phones there's Sony everything everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh god, that was like he, the most head endorsing um, product placement we ever got probably in a second. Oh yeah, <laughs> never seen so many the vios in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. The the thing about Peter Parker is that like again the whole the world needs to be shitting on him. So right. like back in back in the day, to be geeky was to invite the world to shit on you. Today that's not the case anymore. Exactly. So if you make him this new nerd chic kind of thing, now all of a sudden where's where's the, the external conflict? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Which goes back to what you were saying about Flash. Is like, why is Flash picking on him? He's he's so cool. He skateboards, yeah. you know. Like <laughs> exactly. And then the other thing, the other thing I would say that made, in my opinion, this Flash the most likable out of all the Flashes to me is like the part when um, when he when he pins him against the locker and he says, "Look, I get it. Your uncle died. I'm sorry." Like that's, I think that's the only time we've actually gotten a moment to feel for Flash, even though we have no idea what his backstory is. Yeah, yeah, that that's a Flash that I would not have minded seeing become Project Venom. Exactly. Wait, I'm sorry, Carnage. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and be, be, because uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two unfortunately became another mess of a of a selling of movies before checking if the audience wanted them <laughs> I, I, de I definitely feel like there was so many potentials to explore with their core characters that they didn't need to throw in that many characters so soon um so so yeah i, de I definitely would agree with you and actually you're the first person i talked to to point that out about flash about that version of flash becoming carnage so that that's a really brilliant idea yeah, that, that that would have been great. Obviously, there's no no chance in hell for it now. <laughs> exactly. Again, we will probably be uh, grandfathers by the time someone even tries doing that. Now. 
<laughs> yeah, but anyhow, um, anything further you have to add to Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker? Uh, about his Parker? Uh, no. No, I mean, it, it's, um, I mean, it's more about the movie. It was nice to see him get with Gwen Stacy first. Yes, and I, w- I was going to say that was going to be my last point. That is the best um, romantic chemistry interest that we've had from any of the Spider-Mans. Um, I bought that relationship the most out of any out of any Spider-Man film. Yes, yes, because she's she's the the geeky, approachable but cute girl next door type. Exactly. Yeah, which is the the perfect starter girlfriend for Peter Parker, which you know that's in the comics. That's that's where he started. Yeah, and then having them rival about uh, the top of their class just made it like a match made in heaven. Like uh, great brains attract each other. Uh, yes. And then at the same token, even outward appearance wise, they just had like a great chemistry um, of finding each other attractive. So but um, that, yeah, that, that's the whole the whole modern day thing there. Also, it works against it again, again because yeah. because she's like by today's standards, she would be the most desirable girl in school. Exactly. By today's standards, she would be the Mary Jane of Sam Raimi's trilogy. <laughs> Exactly, which she should not be. She should be. She should be dorky. She should not have like. She shouldn't be completely unconfident in herself, but she shouldn't have like. She shouldn't think that she's hot shit. And I'm not saying that like that that uh, she did in the movie like come off as like a bitch or anything or like that she was full of herself. But she'd have to be an idiot not to know that she was desirable. Exactly. And then also she, she wasn't going to be like uh, on today's standards, like the uh, what's the word I was looking for? Like the after school teacher for Flash. She would be the, the girl that Flash hits on like the like the original Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 So I, I completely, completely agree with that. Um, and yeah, so that, that's about all I got on, um, on the Peter Parker side. Now on the Spider-Man side, what you got to say about Garfield? Oh, well, um, well, I think we touched a little bit on it earlier about how he had an improvement on the, uh, the, the banter aspect of exactly. uh, Spider-Man, like the, um, <laughs> oh no, tiny knives, my one yes. way. <laughs> I remember my college roommate at the time, uh, Brayden, he died in the trailer just on that line. He was, like, <laughs> he was like, where was this Peter Parker in the original trilogy? Like, that's the, the uh, sorry, not Peter Parker, that's the Spider-Man that I know. Like, yeah. where's, where's that wit? Like, he was so glad it was finally back. I mean, I know he was probably disappointed with the movies as a whole, but he, as as long as he got that wit back, he had hope. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with that. And then also um, how you said the change was immediate. I felt it immediately. Like as soon as we got the full suit scene um, and then he's sitting on the tower and uh, hey, Aunt May, eggs, organic, got it. Like you could tell his tone, his viscerality, everything changed like in an instant. So yeah, like as if he was Spider-Man pretending to be Peter Parker. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I gotta put on my Parker voice right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His voice, like everything about him, transformed in seconds. And I was like, they took so long for Toby to do this. Like, 
probably they said, okay, we don't want a trilogy to take that long. How about we just rush it in the first movie? And I was like, it took me aback how quickly he transformed, but at the same time, I was okay with it, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did just get bitten by uh, a, well, this is a genetically enhanced spider, but I'm going to go ahead and say radioactive spider because I'm a purist. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I still side with you on the radioactive side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, just because of the, like the the comic lexicon, like I I, I get that it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I bought that complete transformation. Um, Now, as far as the, uh, which was the funnier scene between Toby waking up and saying a big change or uh, this meatloaf is so good. I think I preferred this meatloaf was so good, but what about you? Oh, oh, and then he, what, he, like, runs up the stairs after that, right? Yeah, and then he's on the train, and the guy puts the alcohol on his head, and then he tears off the, the girl's top, and I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, the scene on the train, yeah, that that was memorable, that was, that was fun. Um, yeah. But I I did I do like the, the the subtlety of big change like that that it's it's subtle but it's funny. <laughs> yes, I'll put them as equally iconic. I, you felt like Toby wasn't trying so hard, where you felt like the direction they gave for Andrew Garfield's change was trying a little bit too hard, even though I felt like it had the same impact on me. Um, I think the 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 only part that left me dying laughing the most because I have family members like this is when Aunt May responds, why didn't you tell me you don't like my meatloaf? <laughs> you for 37 years. How many meatloafs have I made for you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, she, uh, so, she, yeah, Sally Field, right? Yes, that's what Sally Field's yeah. Aunt May. Which she, she was not a bad Aunt May at all. I, I would take her over hot Aunt May any day, but at, at the same token, it still wasn't the original Aunt May that we got. Yeah, and actually, like, I've seen Sally Field in a lot of movies. I, yeah. I, I'd still go for that. That's... that's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Oh my god. Aunt May for me. <laughs> well, what was his name? Uh, is it Seth MacFarlane when he hosted the Oscars? Was that Joker Killer for you? Oh, what did he make some joke about Sally Field? Sally Field home. About what? Like in the, when he took Sally Field home and he said like the flying nun was so sexy and everything. <laughs> That's good. I didn't. I didn't see that. You got to look it up after we finish this. Uh, that that would that would that would kill that would kill you. Just trust me. <laughs> yeah, just look up Seth MacFarlane Oscar Sally Field, and then you'll see his entire. Um, segment on joking on Sally Field with like her right in the front row as he's doing it, and then oh, they, nice. they actually did a scene. Uh, I, I was surprised Sally Field agreed to it. They actually did a scene where he makes out with Sally Field. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Anyway, enough with the milk crushes. Uh, now, <laughs> now, what's your last uh, remaining thoughts on Andrew Garfield's Spider Man? Spider Man. Well, um. He didn't really have anything to do with this, but the the suit itself, um, I thought was really good, except for the eyes. And I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't like huge Spider-Man eyes. Uh, this is this is another big one for me. Um, 
because everyone's least favorite cinematic Spider-Man suit was my favorite. The the one from the original Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit. Okay. Yeah, For yeah. For some reason, I was buying the 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 shades of the sunglasses on his eyes more than I was buying any of the other suits. Okay, yeah, it had like a, a shininess. It no, it just had a look to it like it looked modern, but it looked like a suit he could have made up himself. Okay, yeah, yeah, because they did have that whole him shopping for for spandex. Yeah, and then like the whole uh, sneakers thing on his shoes, and then the sunglasses on his face. Like for me, yeah, yeah, they were shiny. Yeah, it made the most contemporary sense, but at the same time gave Peter Parker a little freedom to experiment with his suit. Yeah. I felt like he wasn't like tied down to uh, what he saw on, a, even though he was inspired by again by what he saw on a wall from uh, this time a wrestling thing, which I I know we got a wrestling scene in the original Spider Man as well. But at the same token, you felt like he wasn't bogged down to that. You felt like he was a little more creative with it. Yeah, yeah, no the 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 first Amazing Spider-Man suit is is better than the second. I I, I do agree with that. But my my favorite's always going to be the original. Yeah, and uh, I know I know people are going like you said are going to crucify us both for hating big Spidey eyes, but it's it's just not me. Yeah, well, and it's 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 the newer thing, you know. It's the the ultimates. It's the like the the little kid version always has giant eyes, right? And this is again, mate. You'll probably disagree with me, but I'm not even a fan of big muscle Spider Man from the comics. I just like him. I, I prefer skinny Spider Man. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Ditko's Spider Man. Exactly. Dick Hill's version is, is my epitome of, of what Spider-Man should be, which I felt like they incorporated a lot into the, the homecoming Spider-Man. But um but as far as as far as the Spider-Man goes, I'm I'm gonna have to go with the original Amazing Spider-Man suit. Yeah, it's it's not a bad one. Oh yeah. I, I, I feel like I feel like it's the type of suit that maybe ten years from now people are gonna look look at again and maybe say it was underrated, or they're just gonna stay with their stubborn statement and just go with the uh the usual Toby Maguire fanboys or the usual uh Tom Holland fanboys we'll see. Well, and it might kind of it, um looking back on it at the time it does kind of fall into this whole like everything's super badass and sharp and shiny and new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like all the Sony phones, you know. It's everything is is this black silver. Of course, we'll we'll discuss the movie another time. But the main thing I'll leave I'll leave Andrew Garfield's Spider Man on is that I felt like he was possibly the best Spider Man of the three trapped in a mess of a movie. Yeah, you use like if if he was in a movie that was as good as the first two, then he may be considered the best. Exactly, and I think that, people, that's that's. Quite possible. I think people kind of shit on his performance because they shit on the movies, and I don't think that's fair. Just like I feel, um, I think people are going to say something similar about Ben Affleck's Batman, where I felt like they they shit on Batfleck too much, but not realizing that he's a good Batman stuck in bad Batman movies. Yeah, he was the best part about Batman v Superman. 
Oh, yeah. Easily. And again, took us all aback. It was almost like, what is Heath Ledger doing trying out for Joker? Well, in the same thing, was Ben Affleck doing uh, acting as Batman? And they both like shocked the critics by by miles. No one could have predicted how good those performances were. Yeah. Yeah, but anyhow, yeah, digressing. Um, I heard some uh, something really good by... Do you know who Movie Bob is? Bob Chipman? Movie Bob? Uh, it's been a while, but you can remind me. But he he's a YouTuber. He does, like, Game Over Thinker. Right, yes. I remember Game Over Thinker as well. And uh, he he has this thing where he tries to fix movies, and his suggestion was to take Batman out of Batman v Superman entirely and cast Ben Affleck as um, uh, Lex Luthor. Now, this one, I know everyone, again, is going to hate me on, but I would have took Bruce Willis as Lex Luthor over Jesse Eisenberg. Sure. (laughs) I would take that as well. (laughs) Like, at least give me a... At least give me a... uh, Like a... What's the word for it? like a suave bald head guy as opposed to a blonde haired dork head who did a brilliant job in the social network but is probably the most severe miscasting in all of uh, in all of superhero history with Lex Luthor. Yeah. I really want The Rock to play Lex Luthor. A rock in my opinion would have been way too much charisma. Have you seen the uh, the Superman animated adventures, like the the Bruce Tim Paul Dini? A couple of them. So, like, can you picture the Lex Luthor from that series? I still don't think The Rock could do it, though. Like, I I still am waiting to see if they're actually gonna pull through with his performance as Black Adam, because I'll be more interested to see that. Even though he still wouldn't be my top pick for Black Adam, but I feel like he'll be a much better Black Adam than Lex Luthor. Yeah. What, what, yes, are your well, reasons, what are your reasons for him playing Lex Luthor? Well, just um, Lex Luthor, at least in that in that particular series, is is very much like he's he's the business owner and stuff, but he's very politician y. In fact, he even runs for office. Um, and, you know, we've we've seen The Rock play around with that a little bit. But like he's he's got that that smile that like you know, nobody could say no to kind of thing. And if beneath that, there was just this, you know, brewing ambition that like didn't, and it's almost Lex Luthor, almost, he's not evil. He's just a sociopath that doesn't care about human life, but still wants the best for Earth. You know who who just came to my mind? Exactly. Who just came to my mind that um, that I think again may or may not have worked, but I still would have taken taken over Jesse Eisenberg. I would I wouldn't have mind even seeing a Jason Statham Lex Luthor. Sure, although I don't think he can not have the accent. Right, and then the other thing I would say is that um, what you were saying about The Rock playing Lex Luthor, I could maybe picture in light of the example you gave me, I could probably picture the ballers version of Dwayne Johnson as Lex Luthor. But I don't think I've seen ballers. Like if he not, not like the more like, not more like the hip hop taken in ballers, but more like the businessman suave fine tuned up a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then the ambition, of course. Yeah, no, I I, I see what you're saying, but I still feel like he, he he might be like the most like bulky version of Lex Luthor. Like he he seems like the type of Lex Luthor that wouldn't need the robot suit. Yes. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Because he's yeah. so bulky already. And the the I I don't know if it's the most recent version in the comics, but um I think it's it's Earth Two, no not Earth Two that's that's the old school one. Well, whatever. It, one of the more recent comic book versions of Lex Luthor, his whole thing, um in like uh, All Star Superman, his his whole deal is that he has worked his ass off to become as strong physically as he possibly could be as smart mentally as he could be as wealthy financially as he can be. He is the peak of humanity, the envy of absolutely everyone on earth. And he's worked his dick off to do it. But now Superman comes along and with zero effort whatsoever, this guy comes in and he's perfect. You could never dream of attaining that sort of perfection. And just that fact alone makes him hate Superman. Exactly, and and, and I think I, I totally see the Rock going for something like that because it would it would almost be the opposite of what he did in 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 real life. You know, he was he was the bad guy wrestler, and he made that heel face turn to be the good guy. Right, right. So, the, the reversal of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then I think the the last thing I'll I'll leave on this uh, digress topic with Lex Luthor is, I think the closest we've gotten to that kind of ambition was i know everyone's gonna kill me for forgetting the actor's name i'm not sure if it's uh if i I don't think it's jeff no it's definitely not jeff bridges but i forgot the name uh the guy who plays obadiah's character in in the first iron man movie he yeah yeah he feels like the most close to a lex luther type of character that we've seen on the big screen yeah yeah he he would make an excellent lex luther but i i thought he was the perfect ironmonger oh yeah Oh yeah, hands down. So anyway, um, shall we go on to Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man or Peter Parker? Let's shall. All right. So, uh, what's your first thoughts on what Marvel's cinematics version of what what's what's the first impression he made on you in Civil War? Uh, well, uh, right away he was he seemed the most age appropriate. I know it's only a couple of years difference between any of them. Um, oh yeah. Well, technically like no. Someone who was in high school. Yeah, technically no, because Toby was, I think, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Garfield was 29 going on 30, and Tom Holland was 20, exactly. 20, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he's hands down the youngest. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is quite considerably younger. Um, So, yeah, that, that, that does make a difference. And I guess what, he, he went to a high school, right, for some number of months beforehand to, like get into character it seems that way yeah i think he did that yeah that's i i think i remember hearing stories about that and he would just be be like in classes and he's like the new kid and you know he like some girl would be talking to him and he'd go do you want to know my secret (laughs) (laughs) and they'd just be like okay whatever (laughs) that's cool because probably at that time nobody knew who he was which i already knew tom holland from movies like in the heart of the sea and the impossible um, so like I already knew what he was capable of even prior to taking on the role of Spider-Man, but of course, some great actors will never get that type of approval until they're deemed for a franchise or the MCU. 
Well, sure, and it's it's hard to recognize somebody for their talents when you've never seen a movie that they're in. Exactly, and then of course, uh, it kind of ties you whenever your franchise or or MCU branded. It seems like people know you as that for the rest of your life. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it seems like if if that is not what you wish for your acting career, then please don't get involved. <laughs> yeah, no. It, anytime I see any movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Loki. That's you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, even we do it all the time, and it's like a it's like a habit that just comes naturally. We weren't even taught this habit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, continue. Uh oh, um, yeah. His his he had the 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 whole like kid thing down. Um, I, I I like his he he's got kind of a a a, a panicked uh a demeanor to to his performance you know he's 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 never sh- quite sure of anything and, and everything's catching him off guard right which right. i guess not that i say that out loud like it was charming but one thing that i've only seen um, the spider-man homecoming once and right. does he not have spidey sense <laughs> that's a really interesting question it it seems like he's always oblivious to his surroundings yeah and that's the opposite of like Spider-Man's greatest superpower is his spidey sense if that's the only thing he had he would still be amazing actually actually to be honest um, it seems like Maybe this might be the the main thing that Toby and Garfield Spider Man had an edge over with Tom Holland Spider Man is that I felt like the previous two Spider Mans were a lot more agile and aware of their surroundings as compared to Tom Holland always asking Iron Man about his surroundings. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man almost can't help but be aware. Like it's it's not even something that he's thinking about. It's just that his brain forces him to be aware of his surroundings. Exactly felt like that was much more accurately portrayed with Garfield and Maguire than with with Holland. And that's a point I don't think barely anybody brings up. I think he might be the first. Yeah, cuz that, that was bugging me throughout like watching Homecoming. I'm like, why is he getting blindsided like every <laughs> <laughs> Like you could not like you could not see Vulture breaking down those pillars like seriously? Like um that for me that was insulting to the the scene that we got with Green Goblin in the original. Uh, which one? Or when he backflips out of the way of the exactly? Oh, like why? Why couldn't Tom Holland do something like that? <laughs> <laughs> and and now that I'm thinking about it a little bit, there have been instances in in the comics of Spider-Man where certain electronic devices will disrupt his spidey sense do you right and i don't think they're going for this but like maybe in my nerd brain i can make it feel better if i'm thinking that this super high-tech spider-man suit is fucking with his spider-man sense somehow exactly you can forgive it if you somehow put an unintentional theory in there yeah i I call that star warsing it just these these yes (laughs) explanations to just make my brain feel better (laughs) Oh my god, that that's that's perfect. That's perfect with the Star Wars reference. <laughs> yeah, but 
but but definitely yeah so yeah that that didn't even occur to me until now i mean i was enjoying tom holland's spider-man so much that i didn't really care to investigate that um because i i just for me it was just i just wanted a young spider-man like that's been my my lifehood cry till now and i finally got it so uh for me I didn't really have that much of expectations for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I just had, he's young. That's all I need. <laughs> and and kind of everything worked itself from there. But that now is going to be a nitpick I'm going to hold on to now. For future, <laughs> reviews. for future reviews when we talk about Garfield and Maguire's Spider-Man now. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a brilliant point. So um, now as far as this Peter Parker goes, like you said, I was really refreshed to see the young one in high school, not a bunch of 30-year-olds pretending to be teenagers, as everybody points out. Um, and then, uh, now, I'm, I'm not sure if I should even dive into this subject too much because I want to f- stay focused on, on Peter Parker's aspect. But um, I, think, I think also he had the perfect level-headedness when it came to admiring his heroes. Like, when he first gets introduced to Iron Man, he's like, you could tell he's starstruck, but he's not like ballistically starstruck, like the like Iron Man is God or something. He's like, um, he's trying to figure out like what his intentions are first before he gets on his fanboy rant. And then I think when we really get into a little bit more of the fanboy or looking for a second father type of deals with the Homecoming movie, yeah, which I felt like because they didn't venture too much into his grief with Uncle Ben, I felt like it only made sense to play with a plot point that was not discovered with the previous two Spider-Mans in the sense where that looking for a father figure. I know Green Goblin offered himself to be a father figure in the first one, but this felt like Tom Holland, Tom Holland's actor, uh, sorry, his portrayal of Spider-Man, it felt like his version was more asking for the fatherhood figure as opposed to it being opposed, imposed or offered unto him. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that, 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 that makes sense. Although I... I've, I... And th- this is a problem with, like, where where and when in, in the MCU timeline they got the rights for it. But I would have liked... Right. I would have liked to have seen Spider-Man be a lot more established before meeting uh, the uh, uh, Iron Man or any of the heroes, really. Because um, he was always... Like, here's the other thing. Yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, is what you're asking, like, what they're going to do with Captain Marvel? Like, you think Spider-Man should have been a prequel instead of a sequel to Civil War? Uh yeah yeah and then maybe even like in Civil War you know you're not just finding this kid you're just like oh I know a guy you know it, like right like, yeah. but like it, they they couldn't have done it the way it played out you know like right they, right had a decade of movies and and then you know you want to like go back and ten years ago and that it, it would have been tough for for people to to follow I mean it was it was hard. Yeah. Figuring out what the hell was going on with the timeline with that eight years later thing. Yeah, and then it's almost like, where you've been hiding this kid for all these years? Like you've known about this in Queens all along, and you didn't care to share it with the world. 
Oh no no! In in Civil War, he says that they 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 establish that he got bit by the spider mere months before Civil War. Yeah, which which that kind of makes sense, but like I'm saying, the only pre notion we got to that was the end of Ant Man, where she says, "Uh, we got to do to cross up the walls." You need to be more specific. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even if we only got like a few days or a few months taste of that version of Spider Man, I think that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, like even if even if we don't get the, um, because I know people were complaining they didn't want to see Uncle Ben death again. Yeah, it's straight up. But what what they wanted to have seen just a slight flashback with a spider bite. Yeah, see, I feel like even that would have been, you know, people people were at the time, and I feel like it's a little bit less now. They. Just like the word origin was a dirty word. Yeah, because because they said Sony has has failed us before. Don't give us any reminders of any previous Spider Man. Like like just give us a Spider Man that we feel is completely marvelized but not overly explained. Yeah. Yeah, and like I guess what you were saying a minute ago about um, Homecoming being a, a prequel, like that that would that would have actually if if like let's say uh, in Civil War they find Spider Man and he is say like in early college, and right. Spider Man Homecoming is a flashback to when he was in high school right after the incident in New York. Uh-huh. And we could visit that whole aftermath of New York thing. They visited it for like you know five minutes at the very beginning of Homecoming, but it would have been nice if that whole that whole movie took place in that that post incident universe. And I would agree. The only thing it would be lacking, which be which would become another person's complaint, unless they divided the movie into halves. Um, I would say the only complaint that we would get there is where is the new invented Spider-Man suit that we got in Civil War. Because at that time, he was just having the the street crappy suit, and that was the only thing he was using. You could have given it to him in Civil War. Right, right. Hey, hey, Spider-Man, you're doing your thing, and that's cool, and you got your cool classic suit there, and it's rocking, but here's here's an upgraded suit. And if I give this to you, you can help me beat up a beloved hero. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's kind of complicated, and I feel like it probably would have messed with the timeline a little further, like you said. But um, in essence, I'm still I'm still satisfied with what we got. I do agree with the Rotten Tomatoes overview critique, where it says that for this being the third time that Spider Man's on the screen, this is the best they possibly could have done with all the fan complaints. Like it was kind of a movie that maybe we didn't even need, but at the same token, because people were so damaged and bruised by previous portrayals of Spider-Man, it seemed like at least one more was needed. Yeah. So one more needed for sure. And like, I don't think, I don't think uh, the Spider-Man homecoming was a bad movie, but I don't think it was the best they could have done. What it, I it, it felt a little bit flat, you know. Like I, I heard so much hype about it, like it was possibly the best Spider-Man movie ever made, and I watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's good, it's fine." 
here's my issue. here's my issue with homecoming. Homecoming to me is a great a, a great great movie, but this the main thing it lacks is it's not as iconic as previous Spider Man movies. Definitely not. I would say this: even if the Amazing Spider Man left a bad taste in your mouth, it still stays more in your memory than Homecoming. Yeah. That's the funny part. You'll have Spider-Man 1 and 2 left such a good taste in your mouth that left you with over-expectations for Spider-Man 3, and that leaves an icon in your mouth from your childhood. And then you get the amazing Spider-Man. Whether it left a taste in your mouth for better or for worse, it's still stuck in your membrane more than Homecoming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there were some, you know, like really amazing shots, you know, the, the, the Washington monument. Um, oh yeah. The, holding the, the, the ferry together. Oh yeah. Um, those, those were, those were cool shots. But for some reason, like you said, all of those stand out to me while I'm watching the film, but whenever I'm reminiscing on the Spider-Man cinematic legacy, those don't stick out to me like the train scene from Spider-Man 2. They don't no. stick out to me like like Spider-Man's backflip over Green Goblin's um, glider. They don't stick out to me like even uh, even surprisingly they don't stick out to me like uh, Peter Parker dancing in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Well, I was going to say even even him jumping on the 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 parade balloons while Macy Gray is singing. Exactly. Or like um <laughs> It even I can even take ones from like the Amazing Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't uh, stay in my head like the the first time Spider-Man meets the Lizard in the sewers, or it doesn't stay stuck in my head. Like, um, even though it's illogical to have the the web turn into a hand, it doesn't stick out to me like when Gwen Stacy dies in the Amazing oh my Spider-Man God, yeah. too. People have complained about that too. I was, it was so stupid how it turned into a little hand. I was like, I, that that affected me. That that was that was emotionally resonant. I I, I thought that that was it a did. really well shot scene. I don't get why that scene gets so much beef, but in my opinion, it worked for me. It, I know it doesn't work according to comic book purists, but from a just a cinematic experience standpoint, it works. Well, I mean, there's there's very little about the scene that doesn't jive with like the the comic book like he wasn't given an impossible choice i think that that, right. that that's the biggest theme or the biggest thing thematically that is way different about her death like in this exactly. in in uh, amazing spider-man 2 she just got murdered right in the comic books she was murdered sure but it was because Spider-Man tried to overextend himself. It was, he tried to do everything. And that was the first time he learned that he has limitations. Right. Right. And I think that's the only thing that could make the comic book version a little more emotionally resonant with some fans compared to the movie version. But as far as what, um, what a a reinvented version looks like, I still think the amazing Spider-Man two version of it works. Yes, and they were pigeonholed too because they they can't make it the impossible choice thing because they already did that visually in the first Spider-Man movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
So yeah, so, yeah, so um yeah, yeah. now I wish I could somehow go back and switch the characters. Which which characters would you switch? Like have Gwen Stacy die in the first Spider Man movie. Where in, in the scene where, where Mary Jane was dropped by the Green Goblin. Yes. Wow, dude. Because that, that, that's that, how it that happened. Never even occurred to me. Gosh, Sam, you really got some great ideas for fixing movies. Yeah. Well, they should have called yeah, me. That would work so well. <laughs> that would work so well because, in my opinion, the Gwen Stacy we got in Spider Man 3 was insulting. Was what? In my opinion, the Gwen Stacy that we got in Spider Man 3 was insulting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was just pure bullshit. <laughs> Like, how are you going to take Gwen Stacy, one of the most iconic girlfriends of Spider-Man's history, and make her a throwaway character? And a model. Exactly. Like, dude. <laughs> it's... That, that one hurt. Mary that one Jane really is a model. Hurt. Like, in the comic yeah, like like... thing. <laughs> yeah, like, now when I see her in Jurassic World, I'm like... Like, I can't even remember that that version of Gwen Stacy and probably thank God that that didn't destroy her career. Yeah. Well, that was... That yeah, was, I, I literally have to see Spider-Man 3 to remember that she even played Gwen Stacy. That's how forgettable she was. Yeah, yeah. Blonde Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes, exactly. Although, I I did like the Captain Stacy from, from that movie, um, uh, James Cromwell. You can't You can't go wrong with him. Pretty much anything you cast him in, he he's gonna work. So, but I still, uh, I still appreciated. Um, again, I forgot his name. The new actor that played Gwen Stacy's father in the Amazing Spider-Man. I appreciated his his portrayal of him too. Oh yeah, Dennis Leary. Yeah, even though his version was a lot more cocky and stubborn, um, at the same token, though it it still was entertaining. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of it fell in line with the whole modernized thing. It made move. It made sense in the movie they were making. Yes, exactly. But right, like, so, anyway, um, you know, I'm not sure how much we got. I'm not sure how much we got out of Tom Holland's Peter Parker. But for time's sake, I guess we got to close off with Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man. Um, I would say uh, that there that uh, he has even less distinction from the two characters than even um, uh, uh, oh god, a lot of names today. Uh, uh, the original um, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I think what you're, what you're trying to say is that he he has the least amount of differentiation or distinction between his version of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Correct. He's the exact same person. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. You feel like the same what you get when he's same what you get when he's in the suit. Yes. I feel like when he's Peter Parker get a lot of wit that situation while I feel like when he's in the suit uh, it's almost like and spoiler alert it's almost like when you when we get to Infinity War and you get Iron Man one more pop culture reference out of you (laughs) (laughs) I feel like out of all the Spider-Mans this one has made the most pop culture references in the suit yeah. Any other Spider-Man. 
it, I felt and that I don't feel like it when was a little Parker, stale. He thing, doesn't make that much joke. Yeah, and he doesn't make that much pop culture references when he's out of the suit, Tom Holland's character. Yeah, no, I guess not. Yeah, when when he's when he's out of the suit, he's just like a, a normal kid. But when he's in the suit, all of a sudden, all these pop culture references are stuck in his brain. Yeah, I feel like Tom Holland's Spider-Man was like the result of like there were some CEOs sitting around going, "We need to get the the kids into Spider-Man," as if right. kids aren't into Spider-Man. And and again. I, this I'm actually because I, I don't know how much how much more we're gonna record for probably wrap it up but now that I think of it I'm glad I had this conversation with you because it seems like me and you have more nitpicks with Tom Holland than we thought yeah yeah I guess so <laughs> like I now that I think of it maybe I'm not as hard on the Tom Holland pill as I originally thought so actually he's a he's a fine actor. Oh yeah, no, I I wouldn't trade him for the world. I'm loving him in this universe. Yeah, but... It's just that what they're making his character do, the lines they're giving him, the plot lines they're having him go through. Are... Right, and and in hindsight, compared to the previous actors that we've got, there's still a lot to critique about Tom Holland's Spider-Man because there's a lot of people like worshiping him like the perfect version of Spider-Man, but there's still some nitpicking there. Yeah, yeah, like he's getting a whole lot of credit for being young. Right. Right, and that's that's where my fanboy comes in. Like, I was saying, I was ignoring all that just because of the fact he's young. Like, that's all I wanted. I just wanted a young Spider-Man. But now that I really get into the deep criticism of it, I do miss the Maguire and Garfield days still. Yeah. Wow, man. I, I, I really didn't expect to to end this conversation like this. Yeah. Although I do, I do have to say, um, just as uh, in in the vein of of Tom Holland's acting, uh, his uh, death scene at the end of Infinity War. Oh yeah, in my okay, let me take that back. In my opinion, that had as far as just him, as far as just Spider Man Peter Parker personally, that had more effect and resonance than any other previous Spider Man that we got. Yeah, and the and the the weird thing about it is, he didn't even shed as much tears as Toby, he didn't even have as much angst or drama as Garfield, but the simplicity of of a young man missing out on youth and the rest of his life, just made that scene by itself emotionally resonant. Yeah, he was he was so genuinely scared and confused, and he just. Just didn't want it to happen. He and oh my god, how he just he just throws himself on Tony because he he's the only one who who he can turn to, you know, like like save me, exactly. he's a hero, and his hero can't. And oh my god, he just disintegrates in Tony's arms. And Tony has been seeing visions of this for the past what seven years, just going crazy. Exactly. Just, dreading this thing that's inevitably going to happen and then it does <laughs> exactly and then and then like you said um the best uh in my opinion like you, you use the word impossible that is the most impossible situation we've ever seen spider-man in on the cinematic universe yeah no recourse 
Exactly. And and that's why I feel like um it, do an Avengers four, if Iron Man is not like in a deep emotional state because of that, I'm not gonna forgive them. Like they they better like play that plot out to the best of their ability time Avengers four comes. Yeah. Because I it would be it would it would be in my opinion the way they set it up, they they made it look like um I mean they teased kind of that father son relationship with Iron Man three with the little kid that he bumps into in Tennessee. At yeah, the same token they, though. There was like a little bit of a hint of the demon in the bottle storyline, but they replaced alcohol with anxiety. Right. Right. And besides that um, moving moving forward, like I think Spider Man obviously is the closest thing that Tony Stark is going to get to a son. Yeah, yeah. So that that's why I'm saying they have to play on that emotional weight, and then I I don't know how they're going to play with the emotional weight of uh, him and him and Pepper Potts' marriage getting ruined or or their wedding getting ruined. Yeah, because like, that's was... ever. That was on the is horizon. Is he going to come right? back to Earth, or is, or is he going to get stuck in space? What's that? I, I was just asking: Is he going to come back to Earth for the wedding, or is he going to get stuck in space? Because it's never really fully explained if they were on their honeymoon or about to get married. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was asking. I, I forget exactly where they were at in that process. All I can yeah. remember is uh, which, which I kind of felt which I kind of felt as well. Pepper was like, don't you dare stay up there. Like you better come down now. Yeah. Which it almost sounded like the tone in her voice was like, if you do this, this one more time, it's over between us. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be like civil war where we're taking a break. Popping up in the future again, like this, it's, it's a done deal. Now you do this, that's over. Yeah. I feel like, once she, you know, fully realized what the situation was, you know, it's not like, it's not like him just chilling and letting somebody else take care of it would have, you know, come, like he, he, he was, he was right to put himself into the fray this time. Exactly. Exactly. And then again, this is where we're seeing more of the hero version of Iron Man compared to, the days of old, which I also miss of Rockstar Iron Man. Like, I don't know how long it's been that we've gotten the version of Iron Man that always has to make an entrance with an ACDC song. Mm -hmm. I don't think we'll ever get that Iron Man again. But but at the same time, it makes sense for the evolution of his character. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I was, I was um, saying earlier, is that, that they, they put a hint of the demon in the bottle in um, Iron Man 3, I would like to see them go full on depressed alcoholic Iron Man for whatever the next movie he appears in. Exactly. I, I agree. And then uh like almost what they tried to with Professor X and Days of Future Past, they should try to fix that for Iron Man. And then at the same token, I also feel like Thanos phrase in the beginning of the movie and the trailer was perfect when he said, Dread it, run from it, destiny. Like like you said, what Iron Man's been seeing for years in advance, and finally it's arrived, and he feels like he can't run from it. Yeah. And what I'm interested in, like, see, like, there's some interesting things they could do with that, because 
why has he been seeing this in advance? He doesn't have any superpowers. Like the the whole like at the end of the demon in the bottle, you find out that Obadiah Stane has been like manipulating things behind the scenes and like influencing him to be and stay an alcoholic. Right. So it would be interesting to see there be some character out there, maybe some like cosmically powered character that has been putting these visions into his head to try and fuck up Iron Man for some reason because they saw the same future that Doctor Strange saw and they were trying to prevent that. You know what I mean? Right. And I feel like they tried to do that with Thor in in Age of Ultron, but I don't feel like that was as effective as as effective as what they could do with what you're saying about Iron Man with the demon in the bottle plot being extended a little further. Yeah, well, that could even be that could even be uh, uh, incorporated into that. You know, whatever whatever cosmic character is giving Tony these visions could also have influenced the vision that that um, Wanda uh, gave to to Thor, because like Wanda affected Thor, but there's no way that she could have she doesn't know who Heimdall is yeah or maybe maybe the plot to that may be the vision of vision affecting Iron Man's mind (laughs) (laughs) I I think the the, the timeline doesn't quite (laughs) line up there but it yeah of course that that can't we can't go back now we can't go backwards to fix that now but I mean it was always in his head before there's a retcon here um Loki touched Iron Man's chest with the scepter that contained the Mind Stone. Exactly. So that moment is where he started to is is when he was infected by whatever that could have that that could be the character the Mind Stone itself these 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 Infinity Stones were once sentient beings before the beginning of the universe. And they, they collapsed into singularities. Right, right. That, that, that actually makes the most sense. That, that's a perfect callback to the scene we got in the first Avengers movie. And because it played with everybody else's mind, that could be the side effect of, of the scepter touching his, his chest. Yeah, and maybe the Mind Stone retained in sentience because it is the Mind Stone. Right. Wow, dude. Like I said, you're you're a genius at fixing previous movies for great ideas. <laughs> Damn, dude, this was awesome. Um, I definitely got to wrap this up. But um, any final thoughts on just our general ratings for Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland compared to uh, your eight point five rating for McGuire? Um, well, I I, I feel like I, I uh, we we got into some stuff that I, I maybe never had thought of before and some, some interesting comparisons uh, between the actors. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still say Tobey Maguire is my favorite, but again, I, I admit that that is totally influenced by nostalgia goggles. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I'm going to go and say, which I've said for years, but I'm surprisingly actually, kind of changing my decision back to my original decision again which was uh he may not be my most youthful one but i still gotta give the best praise of effort to the honor of the character from a peter parker versus spider-man side to andrew garfield 
So my ratings for them would be I'd probably put Tom now now that we over, now that we like nitpicked him to the core. I'd probably give Tom Holland now I give Toby a solid six point five. I'll probably give Tom Holland a solid seven point five and I'll give Andrew an eight. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like I feel like Andrew, especially with him being a major fan of the character, like he he almost kind of felt like a, a bit of like what happened to Joss Whedon in the sense where I felt like he was such a fan that was trying to work his butt off to be the best he could be to honor the comics. But at the same token, they feel like this great sigh of relief that they don't have to be in the director or actor's chair anymore. That They could just be fans again. It's draining. So, exactly. So I felt like similar to what happened with, uh, with Batfleck now, I feel like Garfield had he had not so much weight on his shoulders because of the damage that Spider-Man three had done. And had he not had the mess that he was given with the amazing Spider-Man two, I felt like he could have had the potential to be the new top Spider-Man that is on everyone's brain. So um, that's why I still got to give him the, the crown for not being the perfect Peter Parker or Spider-Man, but for making the most effort, I would say. Yeah, well, I mean, if Amazing Spider-Man 2 was good, Tom Holland would still be doing indie films. Exactly. And then I think with Tom Holland is that I'm not saying he doesn't do good with the character. I just feel like he's more effortless with the character. Why I felt like Andrew Garfield was putting more effort into it because the the role of Peter Parker in Spider-Man does not come nat- as naturally to Garfield as it does to Holland. And that could be because of the age difference and their personality in real life. The same token, um, because I feel that there's an extra effort you must to really leave performance as an actor, that's why I'm giving it to Gar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're saying that it was it was more difficult for him to get into that headspace than Tom Holland was because Tom Holland is a genuine little geek and, and Tom exactly. Holland is this exactly. cool for school vampire weekend. Right. And <laughs> exactly. And think how, think how many things Garfield has against him. He has the Sony curse against him. He has a Spider-Man three curse against him. He has the good looking 30, 30 year old against him. Uh, he has, um, while Tom Holland, he has Marvel on his side. He has youth on his side. Like there's almost nothing that could go wrong with the Tom Holland version from a fan's point of view after looking at it in hindsight from Sony. But when you get down to the nitpicky uh, critiques like we've done tonight, then you really get to see how much more of an effort Maguire and Garfield had to put in compared to Holland. Yeah, I could definitely give Tom Holland, or I could definitely give uh, Andrew Garfield um, most effort. Yes. And surprisingly, (laughs) surprisingly, uh, Holland was getting more indie films prior to this, and Garfield now is getting more indie films after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, now you see Garfield everywhere in indie films, but you don't see him anywhere near franchises anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> That's so hilarious, dude. Anyway, more praise to him as an actor. But anyhow, this has been a, a solid, solid conversation. Uh, look forward to doing it again. And uh, I meant to ask you, because because last time you said you wanted to do it semi-regularly, what, what would be, like, 
Um, of course, you could always hit me up any other time. But what would be like a more ideal regular day you'd like to do this? Uh, as far as day of the week? Uh, uh, as far as your schedule goes? Um, the Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays are good. All right. Awesome. So we'll keep those in mind. In the meantime, uh, till till next Tuesday, just keep your topic in mind and let me know, and then I'll 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 keep you posted because right now my uh my wife is thirty nine weeks pregnant, so she's ready to pop at any time. So congratulations, hospital. I'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. All right, look forward to the next one, and uh, you definitely gotta. Are are you? I'm trying to think. You're calling this the Cinema Marvel Park Podcast, right? Do you have a different name for it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, the working title at the moment. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Cause, cause I was going to ask you if that's your title because I, I think it's, it's the perfect title for what you're going for. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, cheers, dude. Talk soon. Excellent. You have a great day. You too.